0: Welcome to the Urantia Radio Podcast. I'm Jim Watkins. Halbert Katzen is the founder and creator of UBTHENEWS.com as well as his latest venture, UBAnnotated.com. I consider Halbert to be a researcher of the finest order of all things, Urantia, and certainly a contributor to much of the academic research done over the decades, research that validates the Urantia book. In this conversation, Halbert and I discuss the upcoming solar eclipse and its unique ties to Urantia statements, and specifically his views on Melchizedek, a personality we talked about at length in the previous podcast. And so let's welcome Halbert Katzen to the show. He is from 2006, been working with the and the founder of creation, creator of the You Be the News Project, which adds a scholarly approach to studying and examining the Arantia Revelation. So hi, Halbert. How are you?
1: I'm doing good, Jim. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Really appreciate it.
0: Well, one of the things, one of the reasons that we have you on, on these podcasts, this will be your third appearance, is because we, you have always been an inspiration to me in providing uh, anecdotal ev- evidence towards the validity of the, the papers. And in, in most recent times, uh, there's a particular event going on right now, which we'll talk about uh, having to do with Melchizedek, Machavinta, uh, who I've become quite a fan of in the last few weeks in all the reading I've been catching up on. And, uh, and we're going to expound on who he is, what 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 I think is pretty important stuff, because we could be in the middle of a tribulation period. And I think, Halbert, with that introduction, uh, you attended the last solar eclipse that we had back in 2017. And you are now living in that area where the solar eclipse occurred. And there's going to be another one in 2024. So can you... Tell us, first of all, the, the significance of the eclipse and why you're in southern Illinois.
1: Um, well, yes, there's a, a, a number of questions in that, of course, why I'm here, what the significance of it is and, and how it all uh, converges. And, um, and it's fair to say um, that being in this area is very much related to a particular uh, branch of research and study aids that I've been doing for the last few years. And, you know, as you mentioned, I got started uh, almost 15 years ago now or so with um, the UB the News project that documented and continues to document how new discoveries uh, and scientific advances are increasingly supporting the history in the Urantia book where The authors, of course, put their credibility on the line with that aspect of the revelation, you know, saying that we're going to keep catching up to it that way. And, you know, one of the things that I'm sort of known for is is doing like research and reporting and uh, taking a less mystical, you might say, approach to it, not to be cynical about uh, people's personal inner experiences, but... I, I'm more of an academic type. And so the UB the News project eventually evolved into a broader annotation project and topical studies project. And then that type of general work led to a lot of focus on the eclipses because they came up on our radar with such spectacular, uh, degrees of intrigue, you know, as it relates to the Urantia book, because the uh, first eclipse in 2017 was on August 21st, which is Jesus' birthday. And the second eclipse almost seven years later is on April 8th, which, uh, is the day in the tomb, according to the Urantia book. So, um, as, as someone who liked to do research and annotations and study aids for the Urantia book, um, this for obvious reasons became extremely intriguing, uh, uh, you know, to get started with. And the more I looked into it, the more interesting it, it became. So, um, you know, in in short, that's why I really enjoyed to be out here right now. Um, I don't, know exactly what the future holds, but uh, as far as the work I do, uh, this is the most fun place to talk to people about it, because this is where people are most directly related to the intersecting eclipses. And so, you know, just getting a conversation started that way out here, um, you probably get, I don't know what percentage, but, you know, probably a pretty good percentage of awareness, better awareness than you might get in other areas.
0: So you're talking to people that are familiar with the Orangia book or you are uh, talking to people who are familiar with the, when you first found out that the the second eclipse, which is coming in 2024, and you first just realized, oh wait, that's, you know, how profound was that? What happened? How did you react to that when you first sort of put the pieces together?
1: Uh, Right. Well, um, you know, I think you mentioned there in your comments incorrectly that I came out here in 2017 for that first eclipse. But I was living in California at the time, and I moved out here at at, in mid December of last year of 2021. So I've just been out here. you know, almost seven months now, I guess. So I,
0: I guess I thought um, that because you were, in your newsletter, you were telling people uh, that, that you were there for the event, so I, I falsely assumed that you had made the trip for that specific event. So I stand corrected.
1: Well, well, no, 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 no. I, I don't think so. I think you had it right the first time. I <laughs> I made the trip for the event in 2017, and then I went back to where I lived in California. So that first trip out here was for the event and only for the event. And, you know, I came, the event happened, I left. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Seven months ago, I moved out here. Right. So those are the two different. um,
0: Well, it must have made an impact as you came back. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yes. (laughs) So more recently, though, uh, because I moved out here and, and, um, as people may not be aware of exactly and should be said specifically, uh, at the Bald Knob Cross of Peace, which is almost the exact uh, intersection of the path of these two full solar eclipses on peculiar dates related to Jesus' life or important dates related to Jesus' life, uh, they built that 111-foot cross as part of having an Easter sunrise Uh, celebration, an interfaith uh, Easter celebration um, for people in this community uh, has been going on at Bald Knob since uh, the early thirties. And then um, the cross was, I guess, completed in 1963, uh, the year after I was born. So um, we're about the same age there. And, uh, and so I thought, wouldn't it be nice to get one of those big voodoo antelope uh, shofars to take to the Easter sunrise service?
0: What's a shofar? Um, What's a shofar? A a
1: shofar is um, a hollowed-out animal horn that is used in Judeo-Christian religious ceremonies and celebrations. I see. The original shofar specified in the uh, Old Testament is a ram's horn, and so that's what's blown at the uh, New Year's Rosh Hashanah service each year. Uh, And um, nonetheless, the uh, kudu antelope from Yemen, uh, not too far away, and it's a bigger, longer, more fun type of horn, and just... uh, you know, sort of got adopted into the Judeo Christian cultures of religious celebration. Um, just cause there's so darn much fun as far
0: as hollowed <laughs> out animal <laughs> words go, you know, what can I say? All right. Well, good. That's great. You found your passion. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I don't know, maybe you have to have a gene for these kind of things. You know, I'm um, a Kohen, which means I'm a descendant of Aaron, oh. Moses' older brother. And so it does bear mentioning that I suppose my ancestors were responsible for the prophecies in the Old Testament. I'm probably about as directly related to them as no kidding. you can get. And yeah, well, that's what the, what kind of got set up um, 3,000 years ago. And so it's it's certainly intriguing to me that I've sort of come around to taking an interest in this after all these years of not taking an interest in it um, and uh, really kind of moving on from my Jewish roots and, and studies that way. And the Urantia book has really brought together prophecies from the Old Testament and the New Testament and put them together with the revelations of this ethical uh, communication mm-hmm. and, you know, has added a richness to the study of all of that that uh, you know, I should have perhaps been more sensitive two decades ago when I first started reading the Eurasia book but, you know, it just didn't seem so timely, I guess, until these <laughs> showed up, and then so boy, was it just the most intriguing thing I could think about.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about that more, because that's the whole point that you and I are, are talking right now. Um, you think that Melchizedek, okay, so first of all, let's explain to those who may not have a a, a, a wide understanding that we have to set, I guess, a couple of premises in order to appreciate the fullness of what we're about to discuss one of them is that mm-hmm. the, one of them is is yeah. that our our world or our place here on this planet is not just random there are spiritual administrators who care very much about our progress and they've been here the whole time and this is what the Arantia book says and part of this process is that there is a seraphic planetary government which simply states that we are under the watch care and administration of celestial forces and spiritual personalities. It's nothing more, nothing less. If you want to get into the weeds about it, but that's the basic uh, you know, premise that we're, we're t- discussing. At the head of the table at this time is this personage named Machaventa Melchizedek, who is described as a, a high son of God. Uh, Christ is who he serves. Michael, Jesus. And he was sent here, or he came, or he has been part of our history for eons of time, which is all detailed in the Arantia Papers. What we're going to talk about here is why we believe this person, or Halbert wants to elaborate perhaps on why these times are significant because it, it opens the door to the realization that this Melchizedek may be coming and he may herald in a new epic. And that a lot of what we're going on now may be a, what would you call it, Albert, a pre, I don't know, like a precursor. Uh, But let's, having said all of that, now it's your turn.
1: Okay. So, um, thank you. That's a a good foundation. Um, as you are suggesting, you know, it's good to get a little foundation in all of this. And, you know, maybe in that spirit of, of just really kind of uh, going step by step with some ideas and and um, keeping them as accessible as possible and, and relevant as possible. Uh, let me just pick up a little more on the blowing the shofar story out here in Southern Illinois. Um, because I've been learning a lot about communicating with people over the last several months, simply because before the, uh, I, I got the shofar about a month before Easter this year. And a, a, a shofar is a very unforgiving instrument, I want to tell you. You know, it, it is, you know, maybe a horn of God, but god is forgiving and the shofar is not you either blow that thing right or it just sounds awful and it is so easy to blow it wrong it, it, it takes a lot of focus so i didn't want to disturb my neighbors too much uh so i walked away from where i'm living in apartments here and you know, wandered towards the university where they have a power plant and it's always making noise anyways and there was an open field nearby because no one wants to be around there. And I started to practice a little bit before Easter. But it it wasn't very far from where I lived and not enough for exercise. And so uh, I eventually just realized, well, I just keep walking around campus for the exercise, and I still had my shofar with me, and I kept blowing it, you know, and at first I wasn't too comfortable with the whole thing, but increasingly got more comfortable with the whole process of doing it and talking to people about it, and uh, so both blowing better notes and having better conversations (laughs) developed uh, together. And so when people ask me, you know, and they're curious about it uh, and how does that conversation develop? um, As I mentioned, you know, it's a key to antelope horn. And a lot of people just have some curiosity at that basic level of what is it? And, they don't have any more curiosity much beyond that or time or interest or whatever. And, uh, I tend not to push a a conversation about why I'm blowing the horn and, you know, larger aspects of it all, unless it seems like there's a real opening and, uh, increasingly it seems as i've gotten better with my conversation about this people are coming up to me with more interest maybe because the notes are getting blown better that helps too <laughs> um but uh, it, it uh you know gets into a conversation of, uh, about why am i doing it and you know what's it mean to me and that's where i share with people uh that I've been doing some research on the eclipses that are crisscrossing out in this area. And of course, um, because I live in the area, it's, it's an easy thing to reference. And, um, and I mentioned to them that I've been doing some research that seems to unravel that mystery about why the Jews didn't accept Jesus. And that's where Melchizedek comes in. And, and I mentioned, you know, are you familiar with, who Melchizedek is in the Old Testament? And a lot of people will say no. And I'll just mention that Abraham gave money to Melchizedek after after a battle. And that in Psalms, uh, it says the Messiah will come ever after the order of Melchizedek and that it's a big mystery and, you know, no one really has been able to figure it out very well. And then I tell them, I've been reading a book for the last 40 years that was published about 70 years ago almost now. Uh, And it says that Jesus was born August 21st and the day in the tomb was April 8th. And those are the dates of the eclipses. And isn't that weird? and, And it seems like this Melchizedek figure works for Jesus and is due to come back and fulfill the prophecies that Jesus didn't fulfill. And so, uh, you know, in about a minute's time, minute or two, I, I give people a bunch of information that ties together the solving of a mystery that everyone cares about to some degree because it affects the world so much. You know, and so just on that level, there is relatedness. And, of course, with the eclipses being local, there's that type of relatedness. And I'm a peculiar character walking around with a four-foot shofar and blowing it. So it has a sound that, you might say, really primes people for the occasion of the conversation uh, to a large degree, even though um, some people are much more open than others and some people have more of a Judeo-Christian awareness
0: others. Now you're not wearing a white robe, and you're not. Do you have a beard? Are you calling yourself Enoch? Any of that kind of? <laughs> I hope you have a good sense of humor, but you're, you've you've created a picture for us, so. I think what you're well, yeah, In what,
1: fact, I, I've done more than create a, a picture. I don't know if you heard, but I actually wrote a good spoof song about myself. I, I got a few bars out of it on one of my YouTube videos, but Shofar Man, you oh, know, okay. to the tune of nowhere. I will look at yeah, that, man. Very entertaining. Very
0: entertaining. <laughs> well, you know, but it's interesting <laughs> because you, you touch on something, which is that you are through just your natural. You're, you're drawing people in and the way that you tell them the story makes it like wow this is kind of interesting so focus it let's I want to get get to that because this is a big deal you th- this is what I know about you you've been heralding this message that there that the time is at hand do you believe that that this is the time at hand
1: oh yes I, I definitely do believe that uh, this seven-year period we're in is the time of tribulation that's referred to and talked about in uh, Christianity and that this seven years between the eclipses relates to the prophecies of Isaiah that are referenced in the Urantia book along with uh, prophecies from Revelation and and ones by Peter and that's all put together and... um, And it's been a process of, you know, figuring out what to believe and my relationship to it all and what to do about it all, um, has definitely been a a, a very evolving process that is hardly complete, but, um, still, you know, as I said, uh, um, back in in the approach towards the first eclipse, I said, I, I think it's very possible Mac and melchizedek could show up uh, for the first eclipse. Um, if not, then probably by the second eclipse, and possibly anywhere in between. You know, the funny thing was, um, when I first became aware of the eclipses, It wasn't on my mind right away that this year, 2021, is the 4,000th anniversary of Melchizedek arriving on the planet and you know starting to teach Abraham and all the the people around uh, that area of Israel. So um, that makes this year an interesting year. Uh, I don't know any particular date uh, you know is, is. Of particular significance. I'm going to enjoy celebrating Jesus' birthday at the cross, no doubt, this uh, coming August. Um, But, you know, I don't really know, obviously. It's not or what I want to say more specifically is I don't have mystical experiences where you know, like I hear a voice that says X, Y, or Z. I'm just not having those types of experiences. I'm doing research. And the more research I do, the more it suggests um, that we're in the tribulation period. And so that's where, it's not that I don't have all kinds of weird mystical experiences that have shown up in my life over the years and continue to. They're just not of that ilk where, you know, I sit and meditate and talk to God and get answers. Uh, you know, it ain't me. Right. <laughs> so, um...
0: But you have enough facts at your disposal now, and you've determined that there is enough... Well, to share some of that with us. If, if We know that the dates are interesting because they... Both of we're talking about an intersecting seven year apart, intersecting solar eclipse, which we all remember the last one. But where they intersect is over, a, like Albert said, it's over a cross, which is what are the chances of that happening? What are the chances that two of these these uh, northern North America is it significant? Should we in America uh, tag any significance to the fact that it's a, in America what are we looking for here? What Jesus said: Look for the, the the signs of the of the tree leaves. What are the tree leaves yeah, yeah. that you're looking at? The pandemic, yeah, okay. all of that stuff, society well, well, breakdown. Yeah, Maybe there's
1: a, a lot of good questions in that. Um, first, let me just start with a fun little factoid, just to jump off with one of the first uh, questions that you brought up in in this series and I loved all the questions you raised, but one has to do with the location and the intersection near the cross and everything. And what I want to add to that is that, like the exact intersection is a bit north and a bit to the east of the Bald Knob Crosses piece. And it's in a town called Macanda. And I was doing some research online one day and not surprisingly, there's Christians who have focused their attention on this issue. They didn't need the Urantia book to, you know, make hay out of what's going on. And there's one person, uh, was taking a look at all the Salems because, uh, of course, Melchizedek, Machazan Melchizedek, is responsible for starting Salem, which became Jerusalem. Yeah. And so this person was looking for all the towns called Salem along the... Path of the first eclipse from Oregon to the Carolinas, and you know, it was Salem, Oregon, was the first major city or you know, fairly large town or whatever <laughs> that was near the eclipse path. And then there were other states with similar you know types of things. But what got freaky, weird, and fun about it, more than anything, is the fact that right—and I mean right—where these eclipses intersect is Salem Road in Macanda. Oh, my goodness. Salem Road, a tiny little road. I mean, it it, it might be like a quarter mile long or something, you know, and there's just a few houses on it, and it's near a lake, and, it's, you know, there's hardly anything there, right? And it's not a big old street that, you know, goes for miles or something. And it's just right there on Salem Road.
0: That is amazing. <laughs> <You know. laughs> At, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now is the next so, is the next eclipse going to cross Salem, Massachusetts?
1: Um, because
0: it's going the Salem, opposite way, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Because it goes up to Maine, and so I don't know how close it would get to Salem because that's right on the coast. But um, yeah. More to the point, though, the E-rays, You know, that's the fun factoid, but there's a larger issue to address, you know, like is, am I trying to set some example for people? Hey, come on out here to Southern Illinois cause Macaventa Melchizedek's due to show up here, not there, you know? And, um, I, I don't know that I have any type of particular message for people, uh, that way it doesn't strike me as, particularly consistent with the teachings associated with this event. So for instance, you know, the teachings in the Urantia book that interrelate the different prophecies from the Old and New Testament and everything, this is what gets us into this stuff where, you know, it says like, you know, two will be in the field and one will be taken and the other will be left. And, you you know, like a thief in the night, this will occur, and you know not the hour at which it comes. And, it, it, and it's more this general get right with the Lord, you know, this general kind of repentance and, and um, you know, just like be prepared for death the way one should be prepared for death every day, just because we're mortal. And you never know when you get hit by the big bus, Right. you know, yep. and so it seems to me that these teachings emphasize this type of thing, you know, rather than everybody needs to get to some geographic location.
0: I hear what something. you're saying. You know, that, yeah.
1: it, it doesn't make sense. Just because it doesn't make sense for everybody doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense for me personally. You know, as, as, as someone who's doing loads of research on the topic and is the kind of guy who enjoys to go out with the four foot long pseudo antelope shofar and blow it and talk to people about this stuff, you yeah, know. Right. Very well suited for yours, truly, but. <laughs> you know, yeah. this is not necessarily a monkey-see-monkey-do type exercise that's being encouraged at all. I don't see myself as, um, you know, that type of social leader. I see myself as an educator, a herald, right? You know, it's like that was a, a great word for it. It's heralding. Yeah. It's like, hey, heads up, you know, this is what's going on yeah and, well
0: you know yeah. but here's something that we discussed previously, which is that not that many people know about all these little dots that I call them because they're all mm-hmm. they're dots and they connect, and they connect in a way that is profoundly coincidental, but not that many people know about it, so it's safe to say that you and I can agree, and maybe people listening we know the days may be, we may be similar to the seven crucial years that are mentioned in Revelation pertaining to the war in heaven with quotes, right? So now we're in this (laughs) modern age, you know, is is this an age of testing? Are we making decisions which determine our future as a human race? Yes, we are. Are we going to go down the road of secularist humanism or are we going to, you know, conceive of other kinds of Realities and does Machaventa have a role in this? That, that I think is your 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 bigger question. What is his role in this? So can you right you're right? What yeah. do you think we're supposed to be doing? Uh, and is this eclipse tied to that decision making process? Are we in fact in a a period where the you know the the what's that metaphor? The sower. You know, the wheat and the chaff separating the two. Right. Are we in that kind of period? period. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um yes. I think that's what's going on and um you know, and I put myself right in that category, you know, like there's all kind of personal work that I need to do to get right with God. Um It's just a never-ending, well, eventually ending, you get to perfection. But, uh, yeah, this is a sorting-out time, and then Machiavelli to Melchizedek, it seems, will arrive when a very dramatic type of sorting-out is going to go on. So let's first deal with the first time period that we're in now, the time of tribulation. Um, The first thing I want to say about this is, as much as there are things like pandemics or uh, people are concerned about uh, you know, the environment and, and all of this and war and so forth. What really comes to mind is uh, what's taught about what does it matter if all things earthly crash and, you know, look to the spiritual issues and, and the reason this, so obvious now and important to say, is because when I look at this nation, I see a country at war with itself along all kinds of ideological lines and, and just sort of fundamental relationships to life, uh, and and it's horrible what's going on in the sense that it, it, it's truly tearing apart families and friends. And so like the pandemic, it, uh, you know, you could call it a pandemic or a pandemic. It doesn't matter what your belief is about the nature of the COVID and how it got started or what is it, or anything like that. What people can tend to agree on quite readily, no matter how they think about that issue, is that people are fighting over it. People right. are really fighting over it a lot. It's yeah. awful Yeah, to just try and deal with it and stay friends with family and friends. And so on this level of spiritual testing, you know, and this is what I mean, it's like it, it's hard for me to try and figure out how to be cool with everyone and not take an attitude and this, that, and the other. And, and it's a very testing time. And, and I think that we really need to acknowledge that. For yeah. ourselves. That, that this, this is the game we're in, you know, this is the game on part of it. And it's happening now. And you don't have to wait or wonder, or, you know, any of us can probably name ten family and friends with whom it's very hard to have some discussion about important matters of the day.
0: I would agree with right? that. Yes. Yes.
1: And, and and that's tragic. That that's a heartbreak. You know, that that and the way this is affecting children and everybody, young, old, all races, male, female, you know, we're in this together and it's a mess. And so one of the things that I mention to people when I go out and do the heralding and I talk to people about how Macaventa Melchizedek works for Jesus and the reason that there were prophecies for Jesus coming and then prophecies for Melchizedek coming back, it has to do with why the Jews weren't satisfied with Jesus' mission. That is, they wanted the mess cleaned up now. They weren't like willing to be patient about it. You know, they'd heard about these other prophecies, new heaven, new earth, righteous judgment. Yeah, bring it on. You know, and they weren't getting that from Jesus. But what I explained to people is Jesus came with the message for how we can do self correction. And that people need to do what they already know they should do. The basic difference between right and wrong and being selfish versus being of service and, you know, all all kind of stuff like this. People have trouble finding the courage and the faith and the belief, but it's I'm suggesting not so much an issue of really having a knowledge or understanding appreciation for how to live a better life. All of us have so many areas where we can look and go,
0: Boy, I could live a
1: much better life in that area. You know, I know I'm not the only one,
0: but I'm definitely one
1: of them. Got a lot of growth to do. And Macavento Melchizedek is gonna show up and by his presence And by saying to people, hey, y'all need to read the Urantia book, get your heads together, get right with science, get your ideologies out of the way of facts, you know, this is where you know, people understand that there's time for self-correction and then there's time for, you know, wait till your father gets home. And in this case, Macavento Melchizedek or vice Jared Planetary Prince is our planetary father now in this regard.
0: I, 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 is there enough time to get your opinion on how you think Christians would react to something like this? I mean, would they be... Well,
1: in my conversations with Christians, I, I, I can tell you you know, directly, I'm getting this experience all the time with Christians, and they hear very easily the new thought that Machiavelli and Melchizedek works for Jesus and that the reason the Jews didn't accept Jesus was because of what I just got done explaining to you. I explain that to Christians. I try to be brief and succinct as I can about it. You know, just take a minute. And the general concept is received gladly. Like, it's like good news. You know, people are happy as Christians to hear some new thoughts about why the Jews didn't accept Jesus. That goes down easy. You know what I mean? Like, you can just make friends a little bit that way just by having something new to say on that
0: level. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, it's like a new idea in the same old, same old world. Mm -hmm. You know, because here's the thing, right, is that... People feel something's up. This world is getting weird and tense and tribulation. People feel it in all kinds of ways, no matter what they believe or don't believe. But the predicting Jesus is going to return has happened so many times. And based upon people's interpretation of the prophecies that there is an ear for it anymore, exactly. You know, I, people have some openness to it because times are what they are, but at the same time, they've heard it all before. And so if you come to people with your new interpretation of the prophecies and the signs of the times and why Jesus is coming back, it is more of the same old story that way. And the Melchizedek angle liberates the story from being the same old, same old story. And
0: it's great. And there's also you know, a biblical reference, which, which helps. because
1: Yes. Well, that, in other words, people love to have a mystery solved. Right? People just like that. It's a natural human thing. Yeah. And so when it's presented as my research has helped me solve a mystery as compared to I was meditating and God told me the secrets of the universe, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Two different things, right? Um, It's much easier for people to hear, I was doing a bunch of research and it suggests to me this. And if you want to follow up on my research, here's a card. You know, and I publish my research for free. So, you know, again, it's important in these conversations to be able to establish one's credibility and interest uh, in various kinds of ways. You know, it's just like any conversation. And um, the fact that I'm not selling anything or encouraging people to join anything or, you know, to follow me in some, you know, particular way, you know, that's one of the. Refreshing. The beauty. Yes. Yes, it's so refreshing to ha- to not have these big hurdles, these like really challenging yes. hurdles. Heralding is a is a, a wonderfully simple job that way. You know, you, you open up your mouth. It's like I came, I conquered, I left. Nobody cared, but I did the job. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, and some people do care, and it's you know a spectrum that way. But the the Announcing, uh, fortunately, is a, a pretty low bar for success. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, So that's nice. <laughs>
0: I'll <take> well, it. <laughs> uh, it's 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 uh, there's never enough time. But the thing, the walkaway message here is that these are significant times, and um, you know we don't know where all of this is headed. But if you uh, believe there's order in the universe, then there is an outcome, right? So the question is, you know, do do we continue to do things as we're doing them now or do we take a good hard look at, at where we're headed as a result of the way that we do things now, which is, you know, corporate greed, corporate interest over, you know, then you've got the political angle. There's so many different isms right now in the world it's almost as if it's, a, it's, it's like during the dark ages when there were all these different pagan beliefs and there was just massive confusion and almost everybody was in poverty. And it seems like we're heading back in that direction. And the Orange book and probably the Bible says, you know, it's usually through suffering that we come to answers. We seek for answers. So maybe that's what this yeah. is all about. It's just getting so sick of ourselves. That we actually start asking the right questions, which is, what are we really supposed to be doing here? I would love to see Melchizedek or Jesus or somebody come down from the heavens. I don't think people could handle it. I think they would freak out. I don't know what they would do, but it's possible. And that's what we're talking about here. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, to whatever degree that people freak out about dying is. Basically, a measure of the degree they would freak out about, you know, God showing up. Yeah, right. That's a good way to put it. Other. Yeah. You know, the very prince. You know, like it, it, it's all that same sort of dramatic coming.
0: Well, we appreciate you joining us this time up. And again, youbethenews.com for more information on Halbert and his writings and his research and collected research as well. Great conversation this time up on the Arantia Radio Podcast. Hey, Jim. Sorry, man, my Skype disconnected. We're back. Sorry, we're good. Oh,
1: yeah, no
0: no worries. Anyway, so we could pick up, and I'll just edit the little dead air here, but um, yeah, so you, uh, continue on with what you were saying about, you know, uh, you know, how people will react if there was a, a second coming or a coming of a divine being.
1: Right, right. I, I was saying that, you know, like the, the fear of death and the um, how out of sorts people would be if Mount Kizadek showed up is a very similar thing. You know, one of the things I've said sometimes is that it's, it's like seeing an alien when it comes to dealing with the Urantia book and these types of dramatic events and, and so forth. Is it, It's a lot easier to believe that aliens exist than it is to actually see one. Right. Right. Mm, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and people can be very comfortable with the belief and very uncomfortable with the actuality of it. And, yeah. and that's just one of the peculiar things about life that
0: way, you know. And, and yep. we expect them the to, yeah, we want them to show up looking like Chewbacca or that alien <laughs> at the end of Close Encounters, you know, and then we'll be all happy and shake their, you know. But it's not going to be right. that way. I've long contended that that's the missing link that people don't understand is that the universe is populated by intelligent beings, but they're spiritual. <laughs> You know, we all expect that, you know, materialism is just it. That's it. Everything is material, you know, but that's not the case.
1: The other uh, thing I want to address in all of this that you kind of brought up with your questions and, you know, how do people relate to this and the times that we're in and, and all of it. One of the most complex Uh, challenging topical studies that I've taken on,
0: I'm in the middle of
1: right now, and it's uh, on saints, prophets, seers, and heralds. And I set about to look at how the world and the Urantia book Uh, defines these terms and interrelates them and how they change over time and the sort of subcategories within each group. And like, there's just so much there and moving parts that it really gets kind of complex. But one thing that (laughs) jumped out to me in particular, as I've been doing this research and like you know, reading about the prophets going out there and smashing the idols of Baal and, you know, didn't have hardly any time to teach because there was so much idol smashing to do and everything, <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, uh, and I thought to myself, you know what? Uh, prophets in interfaith, they, they don't go together. Prophets and interfaith don't go together. Jesus encouraged us to be living prophets, or at least he encouraged the apostles that way. Yeah, And certainly had a point there to make about it all that um, is for everybody regarding how truth is not vouchsafed for one generation and withheld from another, and that we need to progressively work with the truth that we're given and, and all of that stuff. Right. So right. Yeah. you know, we're supposed to kind of be progressive that way. And um in the inner faith mentality I think has great value and is honored for its great value in the Urantia book, but it's time period specific, and that's what people are missing right now. So in other words, when you're in a time period of more gradual evolutionary growth, the interfaith sensibility and mentality is of great value, wonderfully important. And this is where uh, the Urantia book talks about how the earlier The early followers of Jesus did not do so well at Symboyton's interfaith school and, you know, were overly aggressive and proselytizing and not honoring the interfaith sentiment and it broke things apart and isn't that too bad? And yes, that's too bad. But that's not the time period we're in right now. And if Jesus was around Symboyton's school... At the time he was doing his public ministry, I want to suggest it would have all looked very different.
0: That's a good point. But,
1: yeah. And so we forget that, you know. And I want to say now that we're in this time period of not only having an ethical revelation, but in the tribulation period to boot, you know, 65 years later and in the middle of the tribulation with the new ethical revelation. I'm not so sure the interfaith sentiment is the appropriate context for the time period. I think we need to give that a new look.
0: That's interesting. And
1: again, yeah. it's not, you know, because there's a problem with it. It's not because there aren't a bunch of good intentions and values and, and ways of communicating that, you know, would still have meaning and relevance.
0: Today, even in these times, well, but fa- I think my, we need to. My favorite honest, line to... in, in the book, and I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I think this but, uh, encapsulates it: is the line in the very beginning where it says, "The time has come to make frank statements." Mm.
1: <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that's what we're talking about, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the time has come. It's
0: stop playing. Yeah. Let's pretend who has the best religion, and let's get to the facts. Yeah
1: yeah, 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 thank you. Right? And so, you know, this is where um, the heralding, you know, is, is a relevant issue to consider. And, and outreach for the fifth ethical revelation is heralding, right? It's announcing that something official has shown up. And, hey, you know, whether I'm blowing a chauffeur or not, you know, your ranch book outreach is that type of, you know, activity. Yeah. And now that we're in the time period we're in, it, you know, there's additional heralding work to do. I've been doing it for years now, um, as just a matter of evolutionary, you know, development with the topic. Now I'm moved out here, running around with the show farm, blowing it, and doing stuff like that. And Being a herald, um, a true
0: herald. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Oh, you know what?
0: Well, you know um, it's in your genes, but, man.
1: <laughs> well, not only that, but the, the, the funny thing to mention is that my birth name is Harold.
0: No I, way. I changed it Halbert. Oh
1: I was always called Hal, and then friends at college started to call me Halbert, and it got changed to Halbert. And just an organic way that way, mm. um, but my birth name is Harold.
0: <laughs> well, are you considering <laughs> so I, going back to that? Hmm? Are you considering changing back to it?
1: Oh, oh, oh! Um, no, no, I.
0: You're gonna well, step, stay with Hal. Legal. Okay. Legal
1: name change at this point because yeah. it got kind of confusing to have yeah. it. And, and you know, now maybe I kind of regret it or don't, or I don't care anymore, but,
0: well, yeah,
1: you know, by any name, I'm still doing what I'm doing. And I think this is where I wanted to mention is that it, for the Urantia community and for Urantia the believers, um, I'm now a, a challenging figure to deal with because of what it teaches about another and greater John the Baptist. Um, Within the context of Urantia book teachings, um, if someone doesn't believe that we're in a, a time period where we would be looking for another and greater John the Baptist anyways, then it's just an academic issue. But for people who do believe that we're in that time period, they've got a little bit more to address themselves to in terms of my role in all of this. And so do I. And that's going to be very challenging uh, for all of us in different ways, but as a practical matter, people are just going to have to look and go, well, if I don't think it's Halbert, who is it? Is it nobody? the person hasn't shown up yet and if they do show up what kind of credentials are they going to have that are so special or different than the fact that I've been like doing this stuff for years already and I've been dedicated to the uranach revelation for 40 plus years now mm-hmm. and you know and so there's going to be this sort of practical level of analysis of comparative analysis where it's hard to imagine someone coming out of the woodwork being effective in the role. And it's hard to imagine who else is out there that we might know already who's really trying to be a contender this way anyways. You know? Yeah. So um, yeah. that's sort of a, You know, just a peculiarity of what's going on right now that... Um, we all got to deal with and find our own, you know, place and relationship to it. Right. IBUM's a very comprehensive study of the issue. You know, like, in other words, what would it mean for another and greater John the Baptist to show up? Well, what are all the different characteristics of the first one so that you could do something comparative? You know, like, what were his genetics? what were his education what was his temperament what were his beliefs you know uh, etc you, you can just like go down the line and and try to think of every aspect of a person's life that would be relevant to what they're doing and um and you know be comparative and like, just think comparatively about it uh that's been a very interesting exercise to do that I'm in the middle of still, I'll tell you. you know? Yeah,
0: well, that's an important decision to make, you know. Um, I think, though, remember that, you know, even in, in when we talk about uh, the Baptist, um, he himself was a great heralder of the, the sun, but he also saw the least... Uh, in other words, he, he was not a happy man, so he did not enjoy... Uh, the the fruits of what he believed in. You you understand what I'm saying? So, Even though he may have been the greatest of the prophets, he he was the one that probably was the most miserable um, because he was so preoccupied with the job that he forgot. It's kind of like at the end of the Book of Eli. Did you ever see that movie with Denzel Washington where he says at the end, because he's protecting the last Bible... On the world, in the world. And he gets to the destination and he says, I was so busy protecting the book, I never actually thought to read it (laughs) or appreciate it or live the truth. So, whatever your mission is, you know, God bless you. And what you're doing is great. And that's why we wanted to have you on. So, maybe in some small way, we can enlighten a few people. So, that's the point. And,
1: yes, because that is the point, you know, and that's what heralding is about, is it's about calling attention to something else, mm-hmm. not really yeah. oneself. You know, necessarily if someone's heralding, yeah. some attention is on them, but the the whole point is, hey, you might want to take an interest in this here fifth epical revelation. Yeah, You know, as a practical matter, if I do my heralding well, in combination with my study aids, people really don't have to talk to me after they've met me once, you know, because the website has, you know, just countless hours of research that someone can do. If they're new to all of this, they'll Mm -hmm. be busy for a lifetime following up with all the study aids and the whole text of the Urantia book and all of it. You know, it's not really like I... Need to do anything more uh, than um, the introduction? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Which
0: is you want to wet their food appetite, food. right? So
1: yeah, yeah. Same for all of us mm-hmm. that way. Um, but I think you know what's easy for me and hard for other people is that it's very easy for me to point people to my website. It's mine. Of right. course, I feel good yeah. about it. It's the way I want it to be. It's my work, and it validates my conversation with people as someone who's involved and has some bona fides, you know, has mm-hmm. some merit somehow, right?
0: Yeah. And well, you've always been that way. way. You have a scholarly right. approach, and you were you have a judicial background, and so I think your insight gives that. It, it's an intellectual approach to a spiritual revelation, which you and I share that by the way. We don't have the same and bona fides, for, but, you know.
1: But you're aware how the Urantia community is known as, you know, like a herd of cats. People are very independent-minded. Yeah, and, sure are. And so, even, even though the UB annotated website has more study aid material about Melchizedek and the eclipses, and it's all put there together like nobody else's, Uh, it doesn't matter. People don't want to actually send people to my website who are Urantia book readers. You know, I can tell from how this works. And um, that's unfortunate. Well, it is unfortunate, yeah. We talked about because this is where people fail to be as effective as they can be in their outreach conversation. Because when you don't have the credentials yourself, to say to someone, hey, follow up on my work, my work is worth following up on, then the very next best thing, you know, to do is to say you should follow up on so-and-so's work. I've checked out their work, you know, their work's great, that's what, you know, helped me talk to you about it, right? And and so a reference is the natural thing to do in any Conversation of this nature, where you're trying to interest somebody in something new, mm-hmm. but there's actually an obstacle, a social barrier, a psychological barrier that goes on with this stuff, and and that's what I was, you know, bringing up before. That's why I brought up this issue about um, it's going to be hard on the Urantia community to try to work with the idea of me being in a role that is talked about particularly, um, because it's just too darn intimidating. It, it, it's like what we were saying earlier in that, the conversation about believing in the alien versus seeing one. All right. So it, it's very easy, comfortable for Urantia book readers to believe that someday there will be another and greater John the Baptist. It's a miserable to actually think about it for real. Like to actually have someone considering, you know, in the consideration for it. That makes your ancient book readers very uncomfortable, whereas the belief is very comfortable. So, you know, this is part of our tribulation. Yeah. You know, right? This is where we have to kind of sort our own selves out and figure out. Who we are in all of this and why and what we believe and why and what we think and why and how do we get clear in our thoughts and, and perhaps most importantly, effective with each other in our relationships. Yeah, Because that's what I'm really talking about here is how do we get to a true we experience in all of this? Right now, when people look at the Urantia community who are new to it, you know, what do they see, particularly if it relates to this issue of signs of the times, the tribulation? Like, if you're just talking general Urantia book outreach stuff and not into this aspect of the conversation, it's one thing. But if this is what's coming up and is part of the conversation, then, you know, that's kind of a new ball of wax and, um, well, you know, the obvious the main organizations and most Uranch book readers don't want to highlight any of this any more than they want to highlight issues related to gender or race. You know, it's all part of that same kind yeah. of challenge that the uranch community has with the teachings of the book. It doesn't matter whether it's gender, race, or another and greater John the Baptist, people in the community are, are challenged with the beliefs and ideologies of the day and the mix between it all, and it's, you know, yeah. how exciting.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a lot to unpack here, and we have to go because it's long, and okay. um, we've been doing some good conversation now for a little bit more than an hour. And I appreciate you joining me. Youbethenews. dot I have no problem referring uh, people to your website because it is a voluminous work, yes. and it's certainly to be respected and, and enjoyed. And I appreciate you joining me this time up on the Rancho Radio Podcast. My guest, Howard Katzen, and it's youbethenews. dot com. Uh, any yes, closing?
1: Yeah, yeah. Closing comment is um, when I changed the nature of the project from UB The News to UB Annotated. Uh, people have an easier time getting to my website if they use UB Annotated. UB The News redirects to UB Annotated, but sometimes that redirection is slow and clunky and people get frustrated if it's not the uh, URL to use anymore. Okay, um, very good. You- all, all of the material from the UB The News website has been brought into the UB annotated website. Good to know. And so that is, yeah. If you would just, you know, be sure to, to use the current URL, that people are, are having a smoother operation. That'd be great.
0: Well, you got it. I think you just did. So there we go. It's established. Okay. Until next Thank time. You so much. You're very welcome. Have a have a wonderful time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.